and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Let's open up our Bibles today to the book of Romans. If you don't know where Romans is, uh, it's on page 1014 in my Bible. Uh, I don't know if that helps you or not, uh, but it's in what we like to call the New Testament. And we're going to look here at Romans chapter 5. And well, you know, for fun, let's start in Romans 4 in verse 29, and then we'll go into Romans 5. Romans 4 in verse 25 and then into Romans 5. In Romans 4, verse 25, Paul writes this. He says, He, talking about Jesus, who was delivered over because of your transgressions. So Jesus was delivered over to the crucifixion because of my transgressions, my mistakes. And not just mine, but yours. Was raised because of our justification. Now, what in the world does justification mean? He's going to explain in Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace, and this is important, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by the faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in the hope of glory of God. Go down to verse 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, this is important. Christ died for the ungodly. For one would would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man. Someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us, towards me, towards you, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus. Uh, we have peace with God because of Jesus. We are saved because, from the wrath of God by Jesus. Jesus has justified us being given over for a sacrifice for our transgressions. For our mistakes. Uh, The title of this message is just simply this, Why Jesus? Now, over the past couple of weeks, I have been strategically placed, I believe by the Lord, to be around people who have no context for why Jesus matters to them. Um, People outside of the church world, at random places, and random events, airports, airplanes, weddings, just random places where I have encountered people who, when they discovered I was a pastor, began to press for questions. And the chief question that they wanted to know is why Jesus mattered to us, and and I began to explain. And when I began to explain, they followed up with these two questions. 
Well, if God is a good God, why would a good God send people to hell? And if God was a good God, why do we see God doing what he did in the Old Testament? Because in the Old Testament, you'll see moments where it looks like there's the wrath of God. Like, like God is pouring out judgment and there's a flood and everybody dies. Or, you know, fire and brimstone falls from heaven and consumes the whole city. And it's like, well, where's a loving God in that? And I really enjoyed those questions, and, and so it gave me an opportunity to explain the gospel in a new way. And I also feel like that the, the church culture as a whole today values entertainment more than they do doctrine. Uh, and I, I really wanted to make sure that everybody who is a Christian understands why Jesus is important and the answer to these questions. Uh, so let's dive into this. There's a big difference between retribution and consequence. Now, you need to understand this. Retribution is where I return evil for evil. Uh, it is where you've done bad to me, and now that you've done bad to me, I'm going to do bad to you, and then some to teach you to never do bad to me. Uh, because if you don't learn your lesson, uh, then you might do worse. And so I'm going to do worse than even what you did to me to let you know you can never mess with me ever again another day of your life without paying a penalty. And so it's coming from this place of returning evil for evil. Now, we see this happen in our world all the time. In fact, this is at the heart of every war. It's oftentimes we feel like our evil is now justified because of your evil. But the problem with returning evil for evil is what? When I return evil for evil, what did I just become? Evil. And so when we see God as returning evil for evil, it's like, now you've done evil, so I'm sending you to hell. Or now you've done evil, and so I'm raining judgment down. Uh, we get the, the wrong connotation about God. See, how you read scripture says more about you than it does him. And if you see God through that lens, you will miss the point of everything. And so I kind of want to reverse that lens. God is not a God of retribution. Uh, we see this in the book of Matthew. Let's go over and look at it. They'll put it up on the screens. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 38. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So you, you punch me, I'm going to punch you. Like you, you, you wounded my eye, I'm going to wound yours. You knocked out my teeth, yours are coming next. <laughs> verse 39 but I say unto you, do not uh, resist an evil person. Don't return evil for evil. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also. Why? Because if you return evil for evil, what did that just make you? Evil. You became your enemy. Um, and so he says um, in verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt and let him also have your coat. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you. Do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard uh, that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Why? Watch us. Watch us. Verse 45. Why? So that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. Watch his heart, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who only love you, what reward do you have? 
Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing uh, more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now notice, he's calling us up to a higher level to not return evil for evil, because it's the standard of who? God. Here's God's standard. I don't return evil for evil. I make the rain fall on the evil and on the just. I don't return evil for evil. Be like me. Uh, John built this out even more. If you've ever read the book of 1 John, in John chapter 4, on two different occasions, he said, you need to understand God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. So what about these moments in scripture, though, where we see wrath, Uh, that we would be saved from the wrath of God by Jesus. What about some of these moments where we do see God get angry and we do see God pour out judgment? Well, I would say, first and foremost, what is he uh, pouring out judgment on? What is he uh, pouring out wrath on? Is it people or is it the sin that is hurting people? That's a big distinction. But you also need to understand that there is a difference, once again, between retribution and consequence. Uh, Consequence is um, when I take certain actions, there are consequences for that action. We see God established this literally from the very beginning. Even before there is sin, he points towards man's actions and says, if you take these actions, there will be consequences for the actions that you take. Watch this in the book of Genesis. They'll throw it up on the screens here. Uh, Genesis chapter 2. Here you see the Lord God commands the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat. Well, that's awesome, but he doesn't stop there. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will die. Like it's, it's, it's going to be bad for you. Now, what is this? This is consequence. Uh, and so God is saying, I'm setting before you choices Um, And out of these choices, there will either be blessing or there will be consequence. You'll either make your life better or you will make your life worse. Now, on the surface, I'm like, God, why did you have to do that? Because I'm sure you're this way too, that in your life, you would love for there to be no consequences. Or at least we think we we would want that. Like, I I could eat whatever I wanted and never gain weight. Like, wouldn't that be great if there were no consequences for diet? Like, I was driving here, literally, from Highland Colony over to Lakeland. I look over to my left, and on the dashboard of this car are three boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. And everything in me right then was wondering, was the hot light on? Like, like that's all I need to know, was the hot light on when you got it? Because I could smash a Krispy Kreme donut right now. I mean, smash it. Uh, and, and out of that, like, I would love to be able to do that and to eat as many as I wanted and not face the consequences for eating what I wanted. But how many of you know that doesn't work that way? There are consequences for that. I, I would love to be able to, like, never work out and never face the consequences of it. Like, just wait up and not, there's the washboard abs and oh I need to run I could do that easily right now like I would love for there to be no consequence to that but we know there's consequence in our minds we think well I would love to be able to just buy whatever I wanted and never pay the consequence of having to actually pay for it uh, you know on the credit card that I overcharged like we, we think we would love to live in a world with no consequence but that's assuming everybody in the world is good What about when you have something like uh, happen this week in Maine, um, happen to our country again? 
what about in a world like that where somebody could do that and not face any consequence? What if someone could come and do anything they ever wanted to do to your children and not pay a consequence for it? Do you really want to live in that world? Do you really want to live in a world where somebody could walk in your house and do whatever they wanted to you in your house and not pay the consequences for it? Uh, That consequences are actually put in place by God because our heart actually craves them. Like when we look at the world and the evil and the injustice added, it's like somebody has to hold this thing accountable. Somebody has to, to bring justice to this. Evil cannot go unchecked. And we see that in the world, and there are many times where your soul will even scream out of like, won't somebody do something about this? Because when you see the injustice, your heart craves for justice to be given. When you see something that is wrong, there's something in you that wants to see it be made right. For somebody to be held accountable, for somebody to be called out, for somebody to, to you know, show up. And so we have this internally of like when we see what happens in Maine or when we see what happens in these places, we want consequence because we know if evil does not go unchecked, evil will consume us. If evil is not judged, evil will take over. Like if, if evil has no consequence to it, there's nothing that restrains man's affections or desires. And so we want consequence. So it's like we live in this world where it's like, I don't really want consequences. But we also live in this world where it's like we understand there must be until it comes to us. <laughs> and so when it comes to us, it's like, I don't know if I really want consequence. Because going back to Adam, what do we see Adam do? When Adam sins and he does the thing God tells him not to do, what's the first thing that he does? He hides. And why does he hide? Because he understands his sin deserves what? Let me hear you, Lakeland. His sin demands what? Consequence. Island Colony, Pondron, Point, let me hear. His sin demands what? Consequences. So because he knows this, and because you do too, what do you do when you sin? You hide it. You don't want people to see it. You don't want your wife to see it. You don't want your kids to see it. You don't want your coworkers to see it. Because you know if they did see it, they would demand what? Consequence. Uh, you could get fired, or they might not talk to you anymore, or they may judge you, or you know that type of thing. And so because you know your sin demands consequence, it breeds shame. It brings hiding which breeds addiction, which breeds more consequences. And so out of this, the instinct of man is because we know sin has to go checked. It can't go unchecked because if it went unchecked, evil would consume the world, which is what happened in the days of Noah. God literally gave all of humanity time to wake up from their sin and to wake up from the fact of, You can't keep doing this. But literally, the Bible teaches us that every thought of their mind was violence. And so God waited in his mercy, waited until, once again, how you read the Bible says more about you than it does God. God waited until literally in the earth, there was only one family left, the family of Noah, who did not have that evil raging through their system before he brought consequence. Uh, Because we see this in ourselves and we see this in the world that we understand sin demands consequence. If not, evil will overtake. And so when we see it in ourselves, we hide. 
But not only do we hide when it gets called out, because God wasn't going to let it hide, because God's not in the hiding business. He's like, I, I know what you're doing, Adam, like, come on out. He's like, you don't want to play hide and seek a little longer, God? Like, can we saw this? And he's like, I, I know everything, come out. And he's like, why are you dressed like this? Why are you hiding from me? And, he, he's, and God knows the answer to the question, of course, but he said, I was ashamed. Because I was naked. And he said, well, who told you where you were naked? Did you, did you do the thing that I told you not to do? And you know what he does? He does what all of us like to do. He does something called scapegoating, which we'll talk about this in a minute. He's like, actually, though, the reason why I did this is not because I'm a bad person or anything. It's actually her fault. Like, she's the reason. Let my sin be on her. Like, if, if, if it wasn't for her handing me the apple, I mean, she's the one who talked to the, to the serpent. Like, if I would have saw a serpent walking, I would have known. And then talking, I would have known. Like, I need to walk away from this situation. So this is actually not my fault. It's, it's whose fault? Her fault, and so since it's not my fault, I should not have to do what? Pay consequences. They should, because my sin is actually originating from their actions. So let my sin be on them. And we do this all the time. Well, why are you acting that way? Well, if you had my boss, you would understand why I would act this way. Like, if you had to work one day in that office, like I have to work in it every day, you would have lost your mind a long time ago. I'm just telling you that right now. Because they are crazy there. And so my bad attitude has everything to do with what? Them. They're the reason why I'm acting this way. What is that? It's saying, like, I understand I've got this going on in my life, but instead of taking responsibility for it, let them be judged. Let them get this in your heart. Let them pay the consequence because something in you wants to have a scapegoat. Well, why are you acting this way? My father. If you would have had my father, if you had been brought up like I was brought up, you would understand why I'm acting this way. So let me take my actions, my behavior, my wrongdoings, and let me place it on them. Why are you acting this way, my wife? Why are you acting this way, my kids? (laughs) Why are you acting this way? Let my sin be on someone else. They're the reason why I'm acting this way. Let my sin be on them. And God would come and say, well, you've got the concept, you're just using it wrong. Because God's heart is truly for you, me, and everyone who has ever walked on the planet Earth to not have consequence. Why? Because he's your father and he loves you. And a father who loves you never wants to see his children have to pay consequences. In fact, fathers who love you, they understand discipline, but there's this, this, this mercy, this mercy that comes over them. And so God invented a system called a sacrificial system that's literally all your Old Testament that's pointing the way to Jesus. Like the Old Testament is just showing you, yeah, you really do need him. And in the Old Testament, they had this system where you could actually, you can read about this in Leviticus, Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23. It's amazing. It's called the Day of Atonement, where the priest could come and represent the whole nation in one day. And he would come on the Day of Atonement and he would take two lambs. The lambs had to be spotless and without blemish. And he would kill one lamb, making the spotless lamb pay the price for the sins of the whole nation. Now get this, Leviticus 16, check it out. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. 
Did you know that? He is rich in mercy. He would offer one lamb, and this lamb would pay the price that the Israelites would have had to have paid. Because at your core, right, you understand that the way you live and the way that you act, even if you're what people would call good, is not all good. There are things in us that deserve penalty. And so that spotless lamb would die for the whole nation. And then they would take this other lamb called the scapegoat. And this is amazing. Only God could be this smart and, and this symbolic. This scapegoat, the priest would literally place his hands on the head of this goat. And he would begin to speak his and the nation's sins onto that lamb. He would confess it. He wouldn't say, uh, it wasn't my fault. He wouldn't put it on someone else. It's like, we understand as a nation, our sin deserves consequence. So this lamb is going to pay the price for our sins. And this lamb, we are going to place our sins on this spotless lamb. And we're going to come to this place where we're saying, what is on us is now going to be on it. And what we did is actually going to be on this. And it was this, this transference of like this spotless thing becomes made unclean because of what we did so that we could go clean and so that we could go unpunished. Because it's not that there wasn't consequence. It's just this lamb paid for it. And there's a big distinction in that. And if you've ever heard me teach on this, I use this example a lot. And if you've heard it before, just get over it because you're going to hear it a lot as long as I'm pastor here. Um, if you walk into a restaurant and they tell you your meal is free, that gives you um, a different connotation than if you come into a restaurant and they tell you the table over there paid for it. Because there's one thing for them to give it to you on the house. It's another thing for someone else to pay for it. You consumed it. You ordered it. You ate it. But they paid for it. And your sin, like with this sacrificial system, it wasn't free. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to sit up here and I'm going to be like, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it, I missed it. All of it be on you. It's like, and then this one's going to die because of it. Because I understand that it wasn't free. It's not like this cheap forgiveness where it's, you know, just cheap grace where it's like the sin is on there. It's like, no, 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 no. Somebody had to die and pay the ultimate consequence for all of our sins. And it was this lamb. Now, why would God invent a system like that? Because God loves humanity and he also wants humanity to come to this place of repentance so that evil does not ruin our society as a whole. And the only way for that to happen is for either people to pay a consequence for their sin or for people to see there is consequence for it, but let me repent and have my consequence rest on somebody else or something else. That I admit in my life, I can't keep going this way. And so I judge myself at this spotless lamb and say, my sin, it's my sin and it's on you now though. I'm placing my hands on you and I'm saying you will carry this and you will die in my stead because my sin deserves consequence. And so when Israel did this, when they repented and they placed their sin on the lamb, what you'd see is, is God would be incredibly merciful to them. 
In fact, all throughout Scripture, you would see, like there's this one instance in 1 Kings, this guy by the name of Ahab. The Bible says he was the most wicked men of his generation. So you got wicked people, then you got Ahab. You got wicked, you got Ahab. And Ahab had a wicked wife by the name of Jezebel, and you put them together, it was bad. They were kings and and the queen over the nation of Israel, and this gives us an idea of how wicked they were. Every day Ahab would look out of his window, and when he saw beneath him was this little bitty house with a little bitty vineyard that was owned by uh, by a man with the name of Nabal. He would look at Nabal's little vineyard from his castle and say, I want that. And so he came and he knocked on Nabal's door, and he's like, I'm the king. I'd like to buy this. And Nabal said, this is family property. I want to sell it. It's like, great to see you, but I don't want to sell it. And so he knocked again and said, you know, I want to buy it. He's like, it's family property. I I, I don't want to sell it. And so uh, the king, Ahab, gets very upset about this. And he goes to his room and his countenance falls and, and, you know, he's, he's upset and his wife Jezebel walks in and she's like, baby, what is wrong with you? Now that's the Joel Sims translation. That's not actually what it says, but you get the picture. She sees her husband acting this way and she's like, what is wrong with you? And then he says, Nabal won't sell me his vineyard. And she says, honey, you're the king. You can do whatever you want. And so they hatch a plan that said Nabal blasphemed God and the king and he ought to be hanged. And so they hung him and took his property. Now what does that, if that goes unchecked, is this going to be bad or good for the world? It's going to be incredibly bad. Uh, Like if if this goes unchecked, it's going to be bad for everybody. So there's got to be consequence. And so God sends Elijah to uh, the king. Elijah comes up to Ahab and he tells him, there are none more wicked on the earth than you right now, and that's from God. When God is saying that, it's not an exaggeration. And he tells him, judgment is coming to your house, and judgment is coming to your wife Jezebel. And he's walking out the door, and you know what Ahab did, this wicked man did? I never will forget being a teenage boy and hearing this. Ahab gets down on his knees. He humbles himself before God. In that moment, only fearing the consequence, he repents. And Ahab is walking out and God speaks to him. He says, turn around. And he turns around and he says, do you see Ahab? How he humbles himself before me. You go back and tell him that wickedness will not come on him. Now, if God would do that for Ahab, what would he do for you? Why would he do that for Ahab? Yeah, we can celebrate that. Why would he do that for Ahab? Because Ahab had a moment where he repented, where he relented. And this is the heart of Christ. Like with this sacrificial system, it's not cheap grace. It's not like, ah, I can do whatever I want and the lamb will pay for it. It's coming to this moment of saying like, if I don't change, I know there is consequence. And so I'm taking this lamb and I am saying, let my sin be on you. Let my consequence be on you. And then I am offering the lamb as a sacrifice for my sin. And I'm asking God for the grace to walk away without consequence, but to also walk away change. And it worked in a measure. But the problem was, is doing it that way only changed things temporarily. 
And God needed a sacrifice that was like for like. So he came down in the earth, in the flesh of Jesus. And when John sees him, John says, Behold, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. We read in Romans 5 that because of Jesus you were justified. That with your transgressions it demanded consequence, but Jesus came and paid the price for your your transgressions so that you could have peace with God and be saved from the wrath of consequence. Isaiah the prophet, he, he gets over in the spirit, which is super cool, and he sees the moment of Jesus's crucifixion. And watch what he sees happening in the spirit in Isaiah chapter 53. Check this out. This is so beautiful. Talking about Jesus, he was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men would hide their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led, that is led to a slaughter... And like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of his fathers. For the transgression, watch this, why? For the transgressions of my people. To whom was the stroke due? Verse 9. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with the rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit that was in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself, if he would render himself, a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressions. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded 
for the transgressors. This is why Jesus, my sin and your sin demands consequence. If it goes unchecked, it breeds evil in the world. And all that is wonderful and beautiful on this earth is immediately made vile and corrupted. It cannot go unpunished. It cannot go untreated. It cannot go undealt with. And God saw this from the beginning, that man would need a sacrifice, something that could be punished in its stead in order for his family to continue on the earth. And it worked with the scapegoat where God's people could come and say, I have missed it and I have sinned, but my sin be on this lamb that will die for me. But he knew it only worked part-time. So he came to the earth in the flesh. And Jesus took the sin of every single person on the planet on himself. And his father put his hands on him. And the consequence that should have fallen on you, it fell on Jesus. This spotless lamb in whom there was no blemish. There was no iniquity not just found in his life, but no iniquity even found in his mouth. He lived on this earth without sin. Why? Because it takes the clean to clean the unclean. And on that cross, he bore your sin and mine so that all who would call upon his name could say, I understand I have sinned. I understand my life deserves consequence. I understand that there's a penalty to pay for the way that I've lived. I understand I have missed it and I have not been perfect. I fully get that if you were to judge me for everything that I thought and everything that I said and everything that I did, I am fully worthy of hell. But I also understand that there's one who loved me enough that even in my sin, even when I was unholy, even Even when I was unworthy, one came to the earth and said, let his sin be on me. I'll pay a price he never could pay. I'll do something he never could do. I'll take on the sin of the whole world so that all who call upon my name can be saved. Wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. My chastisement was placed on him. Why Jesus? Because no one else could do it. No one else could pay the price. No one else could open the scroll. No one else was worthy. And that's why we Christians everywhere say, All hell, King Jesus, the only one who is worthy, the only one who could open the seal and break the scroll. All hell, King Jesus. And what we celebrate in this great grace is not our perfection because we know we all want to hide. We don't want you to see our sin. And you don't want us to see yours. And Jesus said, I get it, Adam. Come here. By one man's offense, the many were made unrighteous. By one man's perfection, the many will be made righteous. Come here, Adam. Let your sin be on me. Lay your hands on me. 
Let your sin be on me. And this is why when you see Paul write, he would always say these phrases, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Why? Because for the Christian, when the Father sees you, He sees you in Jesus. The price has already been paid. And some of you are like, but no, 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 Pastor Joe. I ordered it. I need to pay for it. If, if I didn't order it, it never would have came to the table. I asked for everything that I'm getting. And God is like, I know you did. And you shouldn't have ordered any of that. And I know it's at your table right now and it'll be at your table in the future but what you need to understand is the table next to you paid for it the whole ticket they paid for it all receive it receive that grace receive that mercy call upon that name Because Jesus is not just big enough to save you from consequence in the next life. He's big enough to save you from consequence in this one. And you could be Saul, so messed up your life. So just going opposite of what God has for you. So running from the man and the woman you should be. You could mess up your life so bad. Be the exact opposite of who you should be. Do the exact opposite of what you should do. You could mess up your life so bad. But when you see Jesus, you have a Jesus who's big enough to turn a Saul into a Paul, to not hold your past against you, and to help you pick up the broken pieces of not just the life to come, but the life you're living right now. He's big enough to do it. But you've got to call upon his name, and you've got to receive that mercy. Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And so church, what I want to do today is I just want to pray. And then I want to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and just say, all hell, King Jesus. Father, we come before you. We thank you that Jesus is the only one worthy and the only one who is deserving. Father, we thank you. There is no other name under heaven whereby men and women could be saved. But Father, we thank you because of Jesus. We don't have to live in shame. We don't have to live in regret. We don't have to hide from God. Because of Jesus, we have been saved. The transgressor has been justified. The unrighteous has been made righteous. The unclean have been made clean. Not because of works, but because of grace. And so for that, Father, we say we love you, Jesus, and your name will forever be praised. All hell, King Jesus. We love you, Father, and we worship you today in Jesus' name. Across all of our campuses, let's stand to our feet and let's worship the Lord.